beginning was the word, and the word was a startling ceremony two million years ago. Lightning strikes the monolithic and the universe crashed. Oh my god, Blatna! It's been off in 10k tribes, distant but familiar. Every ape is unique, yeah. Every ape is beautiful. Every ape is love, yeah. Every ape is family. Whatever their differences, wherever they are now. channel podcast this podcast was inspired by the career advice channel in the hate peace discord and is intended to supplement the content that you will find in that channel this podcast series will feature discussions with professionals and entrepreneurs from all walks of life about their experience and the lessons that we can learn from them this is an unofficial project and does not reflect the views of the hate beast team on this episode i'm talking to no among a variety of hats that he is wearing, Novaxter buys and sells real estate using some very interesting techniques that do not require a high level of technical know-how. Nor do they require a lot of money, believe it or not. They do require a lot of research, and we should not underestimate the amount of work that goes into a project like this, but I think you might be surprised to learn how approachable his process is, and he makes it very easy to understand. I can't wait to talk to him more in the future about this, and I strongly advise everyone to check out the links in the show notes below, investigate his process for yourself, and make the effort to connect with Novaxter if this seems like something that could be a good fit for you. Once again, our intro music is performed by Key Lavish. Please check the show notes to support him. If you found this podcast and don't know what Hate Beast is, it is an NFT project with an incredible community full of big, big, big brains. The biggest brains. And we hope to amplify those voices here and create content that can increase knowledge and opportunities for everyone. Find the link below for more information and to get involved. Now let's listen. So everybody, welcome. This is fifth? Yeah, fifth episode. Man, they're fucking going quick. Uh, fifth epi- episode of the Career Advice Channel podcast. We have Novaxter. Novaxter is going to give us a little breakdown on one of the many things that he does. Uh, but before we jump into it, man, give us a real brief background on yourself, a little personal history, and what are the events that brought you up to where you are now? Sure, absolutely. You know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, providing this platform and. Uh, I'm over here in Western Massachusetts, United States. Um, been working at an insurance company now for about 13 years. I'm 37 years old. Have a wife, two kids, and uh, you know, been working this job for a while. And uh, you know, recently discovered um, you know real estate investing two years ago. So uh, that, along with um, Amazon FBA where I have two private label brands and also doing some 
CRM distribution for a real estate CRM that uh, I got in on the ground floor with a couple other real estate investor friends. That's impressive, man. You have a lot going. You're spinning a lot of plates. And I hope to have time to talk to you about the variety of income streams that you have. That's always fascinating to me. But let's first talk about the real estate thing because there's a couple of things in the way that you're doing it that really intrigued me. Um, First, you identified a great opportunity in selling real estate. You have a, I I don't want to say a different approach because I know that obviously it's being done. Um, but I want you to talk a little bit about the process. Like what is your, what's your involvement in that? Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I specialize in the niche of buying and selling vacant land. So, um, really just, you know, vacant land everywhere over around the United States. And I do it completely virtually from my laptop here at home. And I've, um, bought properties now in 12 different States within the United States. And, um, recently, kind of partnered up with uh, someone else and uh, really looking to scale the business. So um, it's something I do by pulling lists from the county. I pull lists from different uh, sources such as PropStream and Property Radar, and we do a lot of outreach to off-market property landowners and hoping to acquire these properties at a discount. And once we do, from there, looking to sell them to retail buyers, sometimes wholesaling them to builders, and sometimes we actually hold a note on these properties and offer owner financing to retail buyers as well. So how did you learn that this niche existed? Niche, niche, I I can never get that straight in my head. Every other time I say it, it comes out differently. I think it's niche though, right? I, I do. You know, it's one of those things like I know it's supposed to be a euro, but I still have to say gyro. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. So um, how did you learn about this gyro? I mean, this niche. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what it is, is I've always wanted to be involved in real estate and never was sure how to get started. And like a lot of people thought, you need to have a lot of money to get started in real estate. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, I'll, I'll never be able to buy a house. You know, what could I do with the, you know, few thousand dollars I have and kind of, came to the conclusion I could buy a piece of vacant land and after doing some research on the internet and through Facebook I saw that other people are actually doing this like this is a category of real estate investing that others are doing so I set some of those alerts on Zillow and I said within my area give me every property that comes for sale under $10,000 and one happened to come up after a period of time that was local to me here in Massachusetts um $5,000 for eight acres in this beautiful area. So you don't really need to know anything about real estate or land to know that that was a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, really, really talked to this guy and uh, he said I was third in line. So, and his phone was blowing up and happened to be that a big snowstorm came the day that he was showing the property and he decided that he wasn't going to show it anymore. And me being third in line, uh, you know, I was pretty happy. And I said, Hey, you know, if I hop in my truck and go up there and I think it's a deal and we move forward, can we do this? And he said, absolutely. And that's what happened. Hop into the truck, went there, ended up buying it for the 5,000, uh, a couple months later, selling it for just around 20 and kind of never looked back after that. 
Jesus, $5,000 for eight acres is astounding. That's, that's one of those situations where me, like the uninitiated, not knowing anything about this, if you just like told me, hey, there's this piece of land for sale, eight acres for $5,000, I would be like, cool, it's a swamp. It's a, it's nothing but a fucking wetland. It's like protected. Like there's something wrong with it or there's something that is going to prevent it from being, it's too good to be true. And what they say about if it looks too good to be true, then it has to be right. But there was something in this that you were able to identify to know that, no, this is actually like a, a worthwhile thing. I'm not just buying a fucking ravine full of like rocks and garbage what research had you been doing up to that point that enabled you to say this is going to be a worthwhile investment? Well, I want to say my research has completely evolved since that point in time. That was my first one, and I had no clue what I was doing. Oh, and really? It's funny. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's my first deal. This is me not knowing, you know, what's going on. I'm just knowing I want to get into this real estate space. I still haven't. At this point, I haven't taken a class or anything. I haven't found a mentor. I haven't found other than doing some, you know, watching some videos and looking at some uh, Facebook groups. I, I hadn't done anything. This is me just taking massive imperfect action and seeing an opportunity and saying, what, what's the worst that's going to happen here? I'm going to lose 5000 I'm like, I mean, there's no way I'm not going to sell this for 5000 And right. you, what you said to me, you know, how do I know it's not a wetland? Um yeah, well, five acres of it was wetlands. Oh, okay. Um, but it, all good in the end and ended up selling. But um, yeah, I would say I, I'm happy to talk about my, my due diligence processes now. But at that time, it was not as good um, and as thorough as what we do now. That's fair. So would you say that on, in a, on a certain level, you got a little lucky with that first one or... I mean, like you said, $5,000, the worst case scenario is you'll, you'll at least be able to make your money back. But 15, that's like, that's quite a flip, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was a really nice area. I mean, the assessed value on the property alone was, I believe around 26,000. Um, it was worth more than what I ended up selling it for. We went through some steps and learned some things. We tried a percolation test and it failed that, but we had confidence it was going to pass in another area and uh, all said and done, uh, you know, someone uh, saw the value in it and uh, was happy to, to purchase it. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit of luck there, but I, I think that it was one of those, you make your money on the buying side. Yeah. There's a, there was a, a phrase that you used uh, massive imperfect action. And I think that I've seen you use that term in the career advice channel, talking to like other people. And I love that phrase. And it speaks to one of the questions that I was curious to ask you, um, because in a situation like this where um, there's a lot involved, you know, real estate, it seems like a very uh, intensive thing to start trying to jump into. How did you know that you were ready to jump in? Like, what, what, what was it when you were like, okay, today's the day? Right, so... After doing this deal and doing some learning, I ended up uh, hopping into a kind of a mentorship, more of like a, a class um, that I paid for. And I started meeting some people there. And then I started learning what their approaches were of how to market to these off-market property owners. And I started hearing some of the numbers that these people were doing and 
seeing the number of transactions they were doing and how kind of easy they made it seem. Um, so through that class and then uh, kind of implementing what I learned there, um, I started taking, I, I guess what I'll say is massive and perfect action, you know, really just started marketing and then, um, you know, started getting the ball rolling slowly. And then after taking another class um, and meeting other people, like-minded individuals that were also doing this and doing it very successfully, learned more tactics, which I'm happy to get into. And, uh, you know, really, I think, propelled the business to be able to take off. Did you come up with this phrase, massive imperfect action, or did you hear it somewhere else? Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of where I where I heard this phrase. Um, I might have to get back to you on that one. It's not something that I coined myself. It is um, definitely from a book I read or uh-huh. uh, from a class I took. Because I want to rip it. I want to make it into a, sh- a T-shirt. I, I think that that's <laughs> it's, e- it. even if I'm the only one that ever wears it due to copyright or whatever that's just it's a fucking awesome phrase and i and anybody that listens to this after the fact i i feel like it's a phrase that you could write down and you could meditate on because it's really the key to a lot of these questions that people ask a lot of the times as far as like how will i know that i'm ready when is the time you know any any type of question of like transitioning from one thing to another always has that vague unknown area that's like what is the jumping off point and that is right and that that is the answer go ahead and i was about to say yeah i I think there's another phrase i like to use in conjunction with it it's like i always say you know massive massive imperfect action and no no analysis paralysis because Mm -hmm. i see a lot of people who love to learn and they're addicted to learning (laughs) but they never take that next step that they, they can learn about it, learn about, it, learn about it. But it's like, okay, when are you ready to implement it? And they're never ready to implement it. They always feel like they need to learn that one more thing. Well, I've learned the way of learning is going out there, taking that massive imperfect action, falling on your face a little bit. And the only way that you really fail is when you quit, when you hit one of those hardships. So I think that that is what I'm trying to get at is mm-hmm. even that, uh, other quote of you know ready shoot aim you want to just get out there and do it learn and you will go further i think doing that than continuously taking an education and failing to take that first step forward yeah yeah so you send out a lot of emails and texts <laughs> you talked a little bit about how you find the owners but th- the sheer number you were talking about like a, a, th- a thousand emails plus a thousand texts uh every week yep and uh so it's not emails i'm sending i'm actually sending actual direct mail snail mail to people oh wow see i when you (laughs) when you that that brings it to a a new level because when you wrote that um you, you know i was we were chatting a little bit about some of the particulars before this and i thought not that it was a typo but i don't know my brain just like automatically turned it into email because it's like there's no way like that wouldn't occur to me (laughs) that someone is like sending snail mail what what is the advantage to like um using this archaic form of communication man (laughs) absolutely and um so there's a few different things i'll say about it and i'll talk about my different approaches of outreach to um off-market property owners 
So I, I think it's really about demographic. So a lot of these property owners may be some more of the elderly folk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of them, some of them don't have cell phones. Um, and mail is just, it's just really this trusted form of communication. And it has this, you know, it's a tangible thing. It, they're getting it in the mail. They're opening it. They're reading it. And maybe they don't take action at that moment, but they put it on their fridge. You know, mm -hmm. they, uh, they stack it in with their important documents. I've gotten calls from people I sent a letter to eight months ago. Mm -hmm. I've heard people say someone found my letter from three years ago when their you know grandmother passed away and all of a sudden they knew they inherited this land and here was this letter. So that's one of the advantages, I think, to uh, the snail mail approach. Um, secondarily, I do uh, the SMS text messages and I use a, a CRM system. So... Um, First of all, I'm pulling lists from the county. I'm pulling them from software such as Property Radar, PropStream. And what I'm doing is really looking for property owners who have owned their property for at least eight years. And I'm looking for people who don't live near their property. So their, their billing address is at least 100 miles away from their tax, their, you know, their property's address. And um, also looking for certain acreage sizes and certain prices, and I pull these lists. And from there, I send them to a service in which I get them skip traced. And skip tracing means that they will provide me with their phone numbers. So from there, when they're cell phones, I'm loading them up within my CRM system. And then from there, I have kind of a calculated offer of what I think we could uh, offer for these properties. And then I'm working with my virtual assistant, and she can get through 200 text messages a day, so about 1,000 a week of those lists. And she really goes through that, makes sure, um, does some additional due diligence, sees if anyone is interested in selling. And from there, if it's a warm lead or hot lead, she passes it to me, and I do kind of final approval and make the offer if applicable. I have to give you a little bit of shit here. Is that does that mean that these texts that you're sending out are like one of those things that like will pop up on people's phones sometimes, <laughs> and it's like, hey, blah blah blah, we saw blah blah blah, and and you're like, how did they even get my number? Is it uh, that, that kind is of absolutely it? Ah. It, says, hey, it says, hey, do you still own that 2.2 acres in Yavapai <laughs> County, Arizona? Yes, and then they say, you know go after yourself or you know you get a lot of that and then but then you do get someone that says yeah and i am looking to sell and you know let's talk some more yeah fair enough no i i yeah i can dig it man um uh a little bit about that virtual assistant um i'm curious you you just mentioned a little bit of like what they do for you um, but I'm always curious about time management things, you know, and like, what was, what scale did you have to reach before you're like, fuck, you know, I need a, a second pair of hands on this. And how did you bring someone in to start assisting and streamlining your workflow? Absolutely. So I would say when I first started this, I was doing direct mail, snail mail only. And, um, when I first started, I'd probably do a thousand letters a month. And now I'm more around 1,000 letters a week. Um, so the way I did it is I work full-time. I have a wife and kids. I'm trying to balance this side hustle along with the others I mentioned, along with my full-time job and all that. Thankfully, with uh, 
you know, the current situation with COVID, I have been able to work from home for two years and I have, you know, two laptops going on my desk at all time. I have my, my work laptop, and my side hustle. And, you know, as long as my manager doesn't listen to this uh, podcast, so he's not a subscriber, we're all good. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, pretty much have both of those going. And when I was doing the snail mail, the way it works is I have my phone number there, I have my email address. And uh, I have my website, so they would contact me if they were interested in selling, leave me a message. And uh, at my extra time where I would work on my side hustles, which equals when the kids go to bed, 9, 10 o'clock at night, till 1, 2 in the morning or until I can't keep my eyes open anymore, I would research these properties, um, look into them and determine offers, and then prepare during the day at my lunch break the following day to call them. Um for me to, it was impossible to scale at that point. So once I kind of discovered the text messaging approach and got a CRM, that's where I knew the only way to take this to the next level is to do more marketing. And that's when I realized that, um, you know, people were successfully using virtual assistants. And uh, I went through an agency that is a fellow land investor friend of mine's agency where they pre train the virtual assistants for some basic real estate knowledge and cold calling skills and negotiation. And she's been an absolute all-star. I uh, couldn't run my business without her. And, you know, she's really great. I think it's worth lingering on what you just described there because it um, is another um, threshold, I guess, that people will come up against in their you know, and if they're building something from scratch, a side hustle, it can be a little bit vague, you know, in terms of like when you should bring in help, you know, and I think that that kind of clarifies that question. If you know that you're making money, if you, if you have like a, a proof of concept, it's already made you money. And then you get to the point where, um, you have more work than you can do by yourself in a single day. That's a good indicator that you need to hire somebody, even if it is a, a cost sink at first, it's, it's going to repay itself a hundredfold and, and above. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, that, you know, bringing the virtual assistant in and, um, secondarily to that also, I have now teamed up with somebody who is a full-time vacant land investor and has done maybe three times the number of deals, uh, I did. And, um, you know, through meeting with him and doing some deals together and really complimenting each other in what we did, we decided to team up, which has really uh, helped scale as well. So um, in addition to finding help uh, to run your business, you know, finding someone that can help complement maybe some of your weaknesses um, is definitely something else that I believe would really help scale your business as well. Um, you, you've talked a little bit about this, but maybe you could expand a little bit more. How do you identify a good opportunity? Like what is the research that goes into it? Cause it, even in spite of the things that you've said so far, it still feels risky, you know, like it, it's, would, you're taking on a pretty big responsibility. You mentioned holding the note for a property. You're like, Oh my God, like I have this fucking title to a property. I have to unload it. Like, how do you know like gain some level of confidence that you're not going to just give yourself sleepless nights holding properties 
Sure. So I, I think, you know, previously I'd mentioned what the services were I used to pull the list, but I failed to mention any of the criteria in which, you know, I determined before that. I think all I did mention was kind of, you know, owners have owned it for a period of time and that kind of live far away from that property, certain acre sizes and um, values. But to actually find the area in which I want to focus uh, is more about, I like to look where the market is already hot. So on Zillow, you have an opportunity to go there and choose some parameters. And one of them being you can toggle between sold, which is the yellow dot, and for sale. And then you might be able to say, I'm focusing on properties one acre to five acres. And I don't know, I'm looking between $20,000 and $50,000. So I'll add those parameters and see, I'll go all around the country. I'll go to different states. And if I see a relationship where there are more sold properties, so more yellow dots, and I toggle it over to red dots, and there's not many for sale. Okay, well, you know, keep going back and forth there. You're like, so there's a ton that are sold. There's not many for sale. This is an opportunity. So um, with those softwares, you're able to draw a polygon, and you can, you know, get as granular as going to a specific subdivision, or you could, you know, circle half the state. But you know, you really drill down to those areas in which uh, properties are already being sold, and then you can, at that point, for the most part, state to state can be different, um, but they'll show you what they're for sale for and what they're sold for. So at that point, you can determine what your offer price needs to be. So my rule of thumb uh, when looking to purchase these off-market properties is I like to buy between 30 and 60 cents on the dollar. So if I believe a property would sell on the market for $10,000, I might come in around $3,500 on my offer, up to potentially $6,000. Um, a lot of times I'm factoring in that I'll be paying for closing costs, and it has to do if I already know I have a buyer in that area. Um, another tactic I use is looking for houses that were built in 2021. So I'll go right on Zillow and say, show me where all the brand new houses were built in 2021. Well, now I just go out a little bit further and say, well, put me in the path of progress. Let me look to try to buy land that is going to be in the path of progress of these builders. And then you can even reverse engineer that and look through county records and figure out who those builders were who built those. Do the same thing that I did to find these sellers, skip trace them, call them up and say, hey, are you looking to buy any more property in this area? And they Sometimes we'll tell you exactly what they're looking for and exactly what they're willing to pay. And at that point, you're just fulfilling orders. You're like part real estate agent, part private investigator. It's pretty incredible, like the amount of um, detective work that you're doing. Um, and it, it, the commonality, it seems like you're just looking for um, data. Um like what is what is the uh, not I keep demographics keeps getting stuck in my head, um, you know. But like, what are the specific details that give you information and data about these properties that kind of fit within 
criteria and this criteria you've sort of like developed like over the time like of your experience right and it, and it seems like maybe you kind of started smaller and then gradually built up it's not like you just like jumped into multi-million dollar properties or whatever well i think and that comes into strategy and yes you're, you're correct i did start with the lower end properties but a lot of these properties you know you can really do this with no money out of pocket like and i mean literally no money out of pocket um so if you're working with a builder or another investor and this builder is telling me i will pay twenty five thousand dollars for properties in this area you can do a wholesale deal also known as an assignment of contract so at this point i could be looking for sellers and say a seller would sell me that property for fifteen thousand i can get that property under agreement where i'm buying it at fifteen thousand and transfer my equitable interest in that property, which is that signed agreement, to a builder through an assignment. So now they are going to be replacing my buyer obligation in that contract with themselves and paying me a fee for being able to do that. Wow. So once again, we're buying it from the seller for 15 The buyer is willing to pay 25 They close on it. I step back and they send me $10,000. Ah, I see. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, that's you're you just position yourself right in the middle. You're providing a service. You're connecting buyers and sellers. It it all seems so easy. Why isn't everybody doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I try my best in the chat to recruit as many new land investors as possible. So it's it's not like a market that's saturated. I mean, hypothetically, with the willpower to kind of sit down and start you know doing the research and figuring out the numbers, anybody could do this. Well, I've been hearing that since I started this and even before this, that it's saturated and people say everything's saturated. And I, 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 they say Amazon FBA is saturated. They say drop shipping's saturated, except there's brand new people coming into all these businesses every day and being successful at it. Uh, I don't like talking about saturation. I like to have an abundance mindset. I like to teach people exactly what I do. Uh, as you can see, I'm an open book. I have no secrets to, oh, I'm not going to tell other people how to do this because then they're going to go make money or, you know, then, no, they're going to take the property that I might have gotten. There's no way within my lifetime I could send a letter to or text every property owner here in the United States. And I would much prefer to build a team to tell other people exactly how to do this. And let me show you how we do this. And then for helping you show you how to do this, you know, we're going to be in a joint venture agreement together. We're going to split the deal. And eventually we do a few of those and you're going on your own and you're teaching the next person maybe. Um, so it's really about building these teams because nobody can do this alone. Um, it, it's hard to scale alone. If we have a team of people who are all looking for properties and we're helping each other close and we're, you know, really working to our strengths, we're all going to make money together versus all trying to compete with each other. We're all going to make it. Um, that's, We're all going to make it. That's fucking awesome. What you just said is kind of mind-blowing. Um, and, you know, that uh, abundance mentality versus the famine mentality. And it sounds like you're just opening an invitation. So I'll I'll leave that open for that. There's uh, one other thing that I really wanted to have hear more about. You use TikTok to help promote your sales. Uh, this was surprising me to hear considering 
what everybody is like most familiar with TikTok for. It's all lip syncing and funny dances. It's a it's a meme machine is what it seems like. So to hear somebody <laughs> say that they're using it to sell real estate is super fascinating. Um, how did you come upon this? Like uh, what gave you the idea that it would even work as a viable platform for marketing real estate? Yeah, I was in um, one of my land investing groups and uh, one of my buddies, he says, he's like, oh, if you're not marketing on TikTok, you're missing out. And I just laughed. I'm like, okay, yeah, like, you know, a bunch of teenage girls doing dances, you know, like anybody cares about vacant land investing. So anyway, I was like, well, you know, it, it can't hurt. So I go on there and I'm literally just recording my laptop screen. And, and please go check me out, qualityvacantland.com. Um, we have, it's me recording my video screen, you know, doing some nice intros, having fun with it. And um, man, I've had a few videos uh, go, I think one went 400,000 views. I've had a couple over 200,000 views. And the way I utilize it is TikTok has unbelievable traffic. Uh, I don't think there's another social media platform out there uh, that enables such a, a large amount of free traffic uh, to come through your page. And what I use it for is I believe TikTok is a great catalyst for other social media platforms, whether it be Facebook, your YouTube, your Instagram, whatever it is. Use TikTok as a catalyst to drive your audience to those other social media platforms. And the way I utilize that is via a link tree. So if you're not familiar with what a link tree is, it's uh, when you can put a link within your profile, but it only allows one. Uh, but when you click on that, it actually expands into multiple links to your other social media platforms or websites. Um, so what I try to do is give these nice, quick videos um, and, you know, really get someone hooked and then drive them to my website. And at the point I'm driving them to my website, I'm collecting an email and, uh, you know, getting them to tell me where they're looking to buy land. And I have two different surveys. I have one that can be kind of a simple one. Uh, they answer like two questions or more, oh, I'm a serious land buyer. Here's my criteria and what I'm looking for. And once again, uh, you know, we talked about the CRM a little bit, uh, but when they fill these forms out, it funnels right into my CRM. It creates an opportunity right in a form. And at that point, my virtual assistant seeing it. And, you know, that's where she's getting to work, doing some due diligence and letting me know about it. Um, but, or sorry, that these are buyers, but, you know, same thing. She'll, she'll keep those organized as well. Um, but, you know, really using that as a catalyst, I was able to collect, um, I believe, like 1,600 emails through there. And oh, um, directly through TikTok or via the emails I collected there, I sold six properties from there. So, um, you know, don't sleep on TikTok. Also, I'll say, you know, with these other social media platforms, they're trying to compete with TikTok. So uh, YouTube is doing, I think, the shorts and mm -hmm. Instagram is doing the reels. Um, so whenever you have an opportunity to utilize one of these new features or use any of the different, um, you know, dictations on it or, you know, stickers and things like that, they reward you for using that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, use it and uh, let them boost your algorithm and let them get it to the masses and, uh, you know, you can't go wrong by using TikTok. So get out there, check me out, qualityvacantland.com. We always have a new one. Those links, uh, you've provided me with a couple of things. 
a couple of links for your your projects and they'll all be included in the show notes too so if you're listening make sure you scroll down and check those out um the power of tiktok was made known to me a while ago but more you know from an illustrator's point of view uh you know an artist's point of view and it's been very powerful in that regard you know for myself for artists that i know um and a you know a wide range of like other things for some reason i just like never thought that when you said that like i never would have assumed that real estate would uh find the same kind of marketability on on tiktok and i don't know that just goes to prove that like it man it could um well you said you said it best don't sleep on tiktok i think that it's illustrates a point of like try everything a little bit and then try the one thing that you know really works for you a lot and that could be tiktok and it could don't assume that what you're doing doesn't belong on a given platform you want to kind of experiment and try until you find the thing that's really uh really working it for you it it is still a little baffling that you're able to stand out because TikTok does kind of seem to have its preferences for things that are trending and like uh, fads that are happening there and just like real estate, man. Did, did you do anything in particular to help your material stand out? Uh, no, you know, I had some, I had some really good runs and recently I, I was like saying to myself the other day as a joke, I'm like, well, my shadow band, like, you know, I'm not getting, uh, you know, the, the type of views I used to. So, um, it was actually, I feel like I've been a big push recently on TikTok about, um, I don't know, trying to like sell things, um, where there may not be giving it the views it used to, um, definitely not letting it deter me, not letting it stop me from using it as a platform, continuing to push on. Um, I think what I'm lacking on my channel and what I've seen work really well, and I've done a poor job of keeping up on is, not just being salesy there and not just pushing and saying, here's what I have for sale. Here's what I have for sale. I need to start adding value. I need to have a, Hey, here's the due diligence you need to do when you're buying a property. Hey, did you know you should be looking at FEMA websites? Hey, did you know you should look on your GIS maps and look at topography? Um, I need to start doing those value ads more and more frequently and then sprinkle in, hey, here's another land property we have for sale. And I think that that would really um, jumpstart uh, my TikTok back up and really you know, appeal to my audience a lot more as well. Very cool. That's really cool that, that you've come upon that. That's a recurring theme that I hear people who are heavily invested in in marketing strategies talk about you know it's like providing the value first and then making your sales pitches in and amongst the value that you're providing to other people um in a little bit of time that we have left i wanted to ask you about some of the other things that you do because you also do website development and amazon fba and crm software distribution that's a lot um what is your work week like how do you time manage? How do you balance all these things? Sure. So, uh, yeah. So the my main job, like I said, thirteen years at insurance company, uh, work seven thirty to four. That's where um, I've held many different roles. I was a lead data management consultant. I was then an actuarial analyst, back to a data management consultant, and now I'm a business analyst, and I work as an intermediary between uh, the business, gathering requirements for them, and uh, working with developers to build websites, stand up portals, map APIs, and things like that. 
Um, so that's my day job there. Uh, I've been doing Amazon 20, Amazon um, private label FBA since 2016. Um, my friends put me on to that and then they quit and I continued. I learned that is something that I'm looking forward to scaling and moving up again. Right now it's kind of just a passive income where um, it's kind of on autopilot. I know exactly what my sales are and I just fulfill inventory. And then uh, the CRM is specific to real estate. So that's what I use to keep myself organized. Uh, that's where we conduct all our cold calls, where we uh, send all our text messages out of. It's where all my leads are stored, all things are recorded, all notes are taken. Um, I do Google PPC to bring in uh, property land sellers and the leads funnel in through there. It does all the hosting for me. Uh, it does funnel creation, just like ClickFunnels. It has a Twilio integration, integrates with uh, your Google business, a lot of that stuff. So um, I also, I'm an affiliate for that uh, CRM. So it, it's me kind of looking to uh, bring new people in and, uh, you know, join our group and join our mastermind and uh, come join the CRM if it makes sense for them as well. So do that and, you know, have my family life in between. So it's really, uh, you know, a big, big grind. And, you know, my time right now, I think, I don't know what time it is, it's midnight my time. And this is, uh, this, this is the time I work. I work from usually 9.30 at night till 1, 2 in the morning to get these side hustles off the ground going and, you know, kind of get my life to where it needs to be. So I have a huge, huge goal here in 2022 is uh, where I'm planning on leaving my day job here uh, mid-March once that bonus hits my bank account because um, our land business has been really really taking off and uh you know it's kind of outdoing what i do for my day job and uh you know now with my virtual assistant and partner we're really seeing the scaling we have about 15 properties right now whether we have them or they're in one stage or another of closing so you know big things coming this year and really looking forward to uh taking this next big step in the life of moving away from the security of this w2 job and really chasing this passion there you go um that's amazing how do you not like forget everything like i am having a hard time keeping track of what you're doing just as you're saying it to me do you have time management tools and techniques that you use like aside from you know you you have a virtual assistant they take a, a good bit of your workload as well but are there any specific tools or techniques that you use that you think really help you to, you know, keep all of your tasks in line? You know, I, I mean, I, I have the CRM, which is really good for real estate. Um, the, the Amazon thing, there's not much I need to do there other than keep up with inventory, which isn't really, uh, you know, too consuming as far as organizational skills. Um, but yeah, as far as the real estate, you know, with sending out the number of messages we do, um, that is something that's tough to be organized with and uh you know really i just want to say one other thing about the virtual assistant is you know when you're thinking about bringing one on or that it, it's not as easy as just here you go you're gonna take over and know how to do this job and hit the ground running right away you have to 
make sure you take the time and you put together standard operating procedures. You need to record videos of your processes, have them in written and in video form, have your you know scope of work. So um, really, I think the upfront work of what I did for my virtual assistant to be able to come in and be successful and be organized helps overall with our organization and efficiency of the team. That's awesome. Um, I like what you said there that this, this isn't a person that you're going to find on Fiverr <laughs> and, and hiring somebody to do that work for you will require a lot of work on your own part to make sure that that is going to be uh, a smooth transition into working with somebody. Um, coming into a wrap up now, uh, there's been a few people that have been hanging out and listening. I'd like to open it up. Does anybody have any questions for Novaxter? No, that's, I'd go, okay. You dropped so much science. I'm kind of like amazed that no one's jumping in <laughs> with the question. I, I covered it all, you know? That, that's no, a good no. sign. Yeah, we did it. Um, like I said earlier, uh, we're going to have a lot of, uh, information in the show notes, um, about what you're doing, where to find you and stuff. Um, you've established an open invitation to people to, um, look into this and talk to you more and, um, and maybe form a team. Um, is there, uh, any, anything else that you would like people to know anything we haven't talked about or specific things that you would like people to look at and, uh, find out more about what you're working on no i'm you know i'm just happy to connect with anybody i'm happy to answer any questions um you know I, i've been spending a lot of time in the chat so you know feel free to shoot me a message anytime i, I love to answer within the chat uh where you know other people can also hopefully benefit from some of the things uh, that we discuss so um you know just want to say thank you to you as well again you know for providing such a great platform and letting me come on and speak uh you know the pleasure was all mine so uh really appreciate it and look forward to people reaching out and you know staying connected with everybody yeah right back to you man i know you're a super busy dude and i appreciate you taking some time to do this uh it's it's all of this is fascinating to me it's always so interesting to hear how people are putting their hustles together and this one in particular uh, had a lot of interest to me. Uh, it, have you done write-ups um, that have been pinned? I think I've seen like a couple of pinned posts that you've done. Um, I've, I did one for Micah's hate mag, uh, which was talking about uh, briefly what this, you know, is all about how to find the deals and how to do due diligence actually, which is something we didn't talk about here at all. So um, I, I think there's at least a page of, uh, different things to consider about due diligence. And, you know, I, I would love to do more. I would love to do one on virtual assistance. And I would love to do some more stuff on land. If I could find the time, I'd gladly get it out. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best to, to see if I can contribute a bit more as well. Did you send me a link to that post uh, that you wrote about due, dil due diligence? Uh, I did not. It was, uh, I believe it's right on uh, Micah's hatemag.com. I don't know what the following trailing part of the URL is, but I'm sure I can get that right over to you. Yeah, that'd be great. And then uh, we can include that as a supplement. And then we can kind of come back later on uh, and expand on that because that's a whole subject in itself that I think is like 
really important. So you due diligence, you know, all of the things that we talked about as far as alleviating risk, that would be a really important part of the conversation. Um, so it might just be worth one all in itself. But for now, I'll, I'll let you go, man. Again, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it.